guys, you ready? A one, a two, a one, two. You gotta pay the troll to to get into this boys who you gotta pay the troll to get in. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys! You know the words, right? Why did I let you do that? <laughs> so did you get it was somehow better and worse than I was expecting at the same time. Uh, hello, we're the Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm one with the vegetable world, baby. My name's Ben Sheets, and I do like me some vitamin D milk. Well, if you're still here after that intro, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm here to take you down, down to Goblin Town. (laughs) That's right, I had two relevant songs today. So we've watched Troll 2. We were going to see The Lighthouse, but unfortunately, it's not showing near us for another week. Even though it came out this week, yeah, still a little salty about that. But since it's my birthday, I decided to pick the movie this week, and we're watching one of my personal favorites. It's Troll 2. Truly the gold standard for awful, amazing movies. Would you, would you rank The Room uh, above or below this film? See, that's interesting, because I actually prefer... Troll 2. In terms of pacing, I think laughs per minute is higher, but I will say Tommy Wiseau is the icon we all deserve, and Troll 2, while it has some amazingly bad performances, there's no replacing Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree, yeah. yeah the I, persona alone. I think I think the, the laughs per minute are way more rapid fire in this movie. God. But I think the peaks of the room are unscalable by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Troll 2 is a 1990 film directed by Claudio Fragrasso, credited as Drake Floyd to make himself seem less Italian. <laughs> and- are you serious? <laughs> And (laughs) it stars Michael Paul Stevenson, George Hardy, Margot Prey, Connie Young, Robert Ormsby, and Deborah Reed. And it's the story of a family vacationing in a small town who discovers the entire town is inhabited by goblins and disguises humans who plan to eat them. Notably, Troll 2 is a quote-unquote sequel to Troll 1. I use scare quotes because it is not actually a sequel to Troll. No, no, not at all. It doesn't even have trolls in it. Doesn't have trolls in it. It's goblins. The word troll is never used once in the film, and it has no relation, tangential or otherwise, to the aforementioned film Troll. This movie is truly one of a kind, I have to say. This whole podcast is going to be me justifying it giving it such a good rating because it's the pinnacle of good bad movies i think there's three sort of criterias for a good bad movie it's either enjoyed because of how bad it is it's enjoyed in spite of how bad it is or it's enjoyed because of how different the outcome is from the director's intentions and i think this movie totally hits points one and three there you know it's great because it's so bad and because the director was sincerely trying to make a good movie and just 
failed so excellently. Well, what's fascinating to me, too, is like our, the last film that we watched for the podcast was The Stuff. And that film has a great deal of intent behind it, but still manages to excel as a so bad it's good film. Because you, you always hear that about uh, and this film and The Room in particular, you know, being like that it's, it's sort of a, a hallmark of so bad it's good that the director uh, and, and or members of the cast and crew legitimately believe in what they're making. Um, There's sincerity yeah. in the production. And I think that's the, the key to So Bad It's Good Movies. Right. That's why things like, you know, Machete or Hobo with a Shotgun, while they're entertaining, they don't quite hit that same mark because they're a little too self-aware. I think uh, Hobo no, with a well, Shotgun is a legitimately good film. And also, actually, so I'm, I'm making a differing point because the stuff is self-aware. Uh, no, the stuff is intended as a satire, but the, a lot of the stuff that you laugh at is not because the director is trying to make you laugh. You're still laughing at largely incompetence in in some form or fashion with the stuff like we talked about there's a lot of that in the editing that you're laughing because the cuts are so jarring and i don't think there's intent behind that i think that larry cohen has a message in the stuff and he wants to be uh critical of consumerism and do that in a fun way but i i don't think that that's necessarily the reason we laugh at the stuff hmm. interesting I think that, uh, conversely, Troll 2 is uh, not made with any sort of satirical intent. No, no, no. uh, Legitimately made to be uh, a horror film, and it is just so spectacularly incompetent that it is... uh, A gift. uh, Truly. Well, we start the movie with the bang, you know? We start with Grandpa... Reading Joshua a story about Peter running from goblins in the middle of the forest. Right, yeah. and there's no lead-in either. It, no, it just it, it immediate narration and guy in woods. Like the first shot has 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 audio. There's you don't you don't get a chance to breathe any like little like opening credits or anything. He's no, just it's like just, just voice story yet. and and guy in woods and all it's so of, awkwardly presented. And every time it cuts back to Peter, it is a, a punch in. Every single time. The use of oh. punch-ins in this movie are just excellent. Even even bigger, uh, what really caught me by surprise is before that, we see Metro-Golden produce this film? Yeah. This is a studio film. They were making a lot of cheap schlock back in the day. Yeah, like, I just... And, and different the original, era. Wow. And the original Troll was, was somewhat successful. Uh, I think that this film was not even intended to be a troll sequel. It was mm-hmm. uh, the studio seeing the finished result and saying, how can we <laughs> capitalize on this in any way? <laughs> the original troll had a little bit of, uh, you know, cult success. And they're like, oh, well, uh, we'll just call it Troll 2. <laughs> so even, would- even though... The monsters are goblins. They are goblins. Yes. yes. Uh, so the, the the general conceit of the film is that this family is doing a, a like, house, swap? House, house swap kind of deal where they swap homes with another family. Strangers. Several, strangers. Complete yeah. strangers. Yeah. For, for several Just months. give their home, trade homes with someone they've never met before. I've heard, I understand, like, foreign exchange student programs and stuff, but, like, swapping your entire family, like, just letting another family that you don't know live in your home. Yeah. 
and calling it a vacation. What? So there's never any indication of how they set this up, if they answered an ad, if they were contacted. It's just, we're going to go stay in the uh, delightful small town of Nilbog, population 26, and we're going to live like farmers and it's going to be a vacation. Our young protagonist, Joshua, who is probably my favorite example of overacting child. Yes. Child actor. Yes. <laughs> just, just amazing. <laughs> he is having uh, visions or hallucinations or something of his recently deceased grandpa, Seth. Yes, budget Orson Welles. Yes, uh, discount Orson Welles, who is the one uh, reading the story about the goblins to him in in the intro scene. The way that they bury the lead that he's a ghost is the funniest thing ever. He's been, you know, just talking to his grandpa and, you know, tell me about the goblins, grandpa. And then his mom walks in. She's like, what are you still doing awake? And it smash cuts back to him (laughs) and the chair where grandpa was is empty no no no, no. It's, it's not rocking. just empty it's, it's still rocking, rocking. It's, yeah like like where the mom can see it it's just like oh grandpa was telling me a story your grandpa's dead and like the mom is like watching the rocking chair fucking moving like back and forth like it's like like there's a poltergeist in it and just nope nothing well, and joshua just gives the dumbest what is <laughs> his reaction to everything in this movie even when there are things that have already been established that he knows He's still, every time he has to react to something, it's... I couldn't get through this film without, like, continually being reminded of Italian Spider-Man and, like, those punch-ins and just... Exactly! (laughs) Like... It's just, it's so... This is... This this movie's so Italian. This film is a hallmark of, like, bad Italian horror schlock, and it's fantastic, you know, down to every last detail, except that it doesn't make use of as much ADR as I would like from uh, from an Italian <laughs> film. But we're introduced to the rest of the family, his completely cardboard, inexpressive mother who does nothing for the entire No, film. absolutely nothing. Um, Store brand Sam Watterson as the dad. As, yeah, uh, he's a wild character. Completely, <laughs> completely devoid of of charisma or facial expressions and just completely stupid. Uh, But I love the dad. And also his older sister, Holly, who every time she starts crying, looks like she's trying to contain her laughter. (laughs) She also slurs every other word. (laughs) Yes. There there are multiple sequences in this movie where the the actors flub their lines and they just just keep it in. Like, uh, my favorite is when the family gets up the next morning after moving and the husband comes down and asks his wife, what's for breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) And they just kept it in. What's for breakfast? There are way too many hilarious individual we things can't to talk about. Break in this into movie. all of them. There's just no way. There's not enough time. If I, I feel like most people have probably seen this movie because it has that legendary good bad horror. And if you haven't status. seen it, you've seen all the media around it, which oh was the my case for me. God. <laughs> like everyone has seen that. There's so much to love, and because of that, I don't want to get too uh, nil bogged down. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in plot details, there are a few 
specific things that I want to talk about. Sure. Just general things. The first, I want to talk about Grandpa Seth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because Grandpa <laughs> Seth is my favorite thing about this movie. Because we quickly learn that he is a ghost, appearing only to Joshua. But we also soon realize that he's not simply a ghost. He's an agent of chaos. <laughs> he is some sort of primordial being who exists between the spaces of our plane and heaven and hell and has all sorts of godlike powers like freezing time and shooting lightning bolts out of his hands and possessing the bodies of homeless people. <laughs> I love how every point of advice he has in this movie is complete chaos. Yes. There is a scene early on in the movie when they first get to Nilbog, when they come into the house, there's a table full of food with stuff. Yes, the, the previous family, though they acted strange when they met them at the door... Uh, they they discover that the the family they're replacing has prepared them a whole meal in welcome, and it has been established in the lore that what goblins do is they make you eat green sap, and it turns you into a plant vegetable person, and then the goblins eat you. Because they're vegetarian. Because they're vegetarian, and they don't like meat. I mean, I've uh, had a few meals that, you know, basically turned me into a vegetable so basically, all of the food in... Just got that. That was weak as fuck. So... <laughs> I had a better one during the movie. It was like, whenever I hit the pipe, and feel I feel like it's been turned into a vegetable or something. But well, the the line is uh, is she's she's become one with the world with the vegetable, vegetable world. world. Oh god, that's it. Yeah. She's like yeah, after I hit the pipe, I become one with the vegetable world. That there was, it is. Um, <laughs> took me three tries, but we got there. All of the food in this town is unsafe to be eaten because it will turn you into vegetable goop. And all, all I should mention too that all of the food looks completely unappetizing and inedible. And just it's, uh, it's all just like blatantly covered in green. It's all just like cornbread and pound cake with like green icing. Everything just has at one point the sheriff gives the kid a sandwich which is just a hamburger bun full of green icing. Yeah. And nobody ever questions it. No, never. So they find this meal. To your point, Ben, Grandpa appears at the window and... <laughs> he freezes time. And he freezes and time. And he's like, you have 30 seconds to stop this. And how Why how 30 does... seconds? We don't know. We never will. That's the uh, only the amount of time that, that Grandpa Seth can remain on our plane before he must return to his own to replenish himself. <laughs> this is himself. like plenty of times later on where freezing time would have been real useful, but... Is that once? <laughs> no, he, he only could do it that once. Mm. Uh, he's, he's actually too powerful for our realm of existence. Yeah, if he and, froze time again, it would just shatter reality. Yes, if, yeah. he, if he exerts his uh, influence 
influence upon our reality flippantly, then it could cause irreparable rifts in the time-space continuum. That is canon. I did read that in the Troll 2 coffee table book. I mean, it's it's clear from watching the film. Like, Mm -hmm. that's all, you know, it's all there. um, Because this is a very nuanced and well-written film where the rules and the lore are very clearly established. I would say almost over-established. You're right. What a fool I am to not understand the well well established mechanics of this world. So anyway, he freezes time for 30 seconds so Joshua can come up with a way to stop his family from eating the tainted Nilbog food. How does he do that, Ben? Oh, well, he stands up on his chair. I have to do it! And just pisses all over everything. Unfortunately, we just get a cutaway. Like, he just, he goes down, he unzips, and then it just cuts to them throwing the food away. Honestly, bummer. I was kind of expecting him to just, like, a... just piss all over the, the, the dinner. Well, we do, in fairness, get maybe the best line of the movie. Maybe uh, the best line in cinema, cinema. history. Yeah. yeah, shortly after it. The family before them have put... Pieces of just plain white printer paper on the doors with names written on them in Sharpie. And we see we see the dad carrying Joshua down the hall past all of these things. And he's yelling, you see these signs? You know what this is? This is hospitality. And he throws Joshua down on the bed. He says, you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. It's like, but he didn't he, piss on the signs. Like, I don't. He goes for his belt and for a split second, you're just like, oh shit, is he gonna like beat him? It's one of the more clever subversions, but the the logic, the, the reasoning for it is clever is not the word awful. I would use, but it is great. He says, you know what I'll do? I'm pulling up my belt by one belt loop so I don't feel the hunger pains. Yeah, I'm tightening my belt by one loop so I don't feel hunger pangs since you ruined our dinner. When I was your age, I grew up knowing what hunger was, and I'm better at it than you. <laughs> The funniest part is, like, <laughs> what, he, he just gave up on eating at all. The whole family the rest of the yeah. day. They just didn't eat. That was it. Food was ruined. You know, they didn't go out, get more food. And it's still daylight out. Though oh. they don't ever again. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> of course. Happy to tease. Because when they arrive in the town, they're driving around, and they're like, where is everybody? And the dad says, well, this is a small farming town. This time of night, everybody's usually fast asleep. And it is broad, broad daylight. Sun shining, like, we're, high in the sky. We're not saying they do day for night. No. We're, not even we're not, bad day for night. Not, they don't even do a blue tint or anything. It just is daylight. It just is daylight. And it's never, ever once addressed. <laughs> Back to Grandpa Seth. He sort of plays the role of the deus ex machina in the film. Anytime anything bad is about to happen, Grandpa Seth appears and fucking interferes with uh, the time-space continuum. Oh, oh, what you mean is deus seth machina. Grandpa Seth machina. (laughs) Yeah. He uh, randomly appears in mirrors to consult Billy, and at one point, inexplicably appears before it. Not Billy, Joshua. Uh, <laughs> like I've been trying Billy. to not call him Danny this whole time. <laughs> he seems like a Billy to me. Um, he appears before uh, Joshua's sister. 
for no in, reason. In the middle in of the... her doing like <laughs> jazzercise in front of the mirror with this really weird oh, looking Garfield t shirt on. Credit to jazzercise. <laughs> this yeah, is not jazzercise. jazzercise. This is like this is weird Eurovision, like freeform dance. Yeah, it's it's rough and I, it's uh, hilarious. Yeah. Is what it is. I, I, I think I think she had no direction there and oh man, it was awesome. Yeah, so he he appears to her in the mirror going, Joshua! Joshua! Then she runs to tell their parents and they still don't believe in the existence of uh, Ghost Grandpa. And, uh, and in a sane film, this is the point where the, the siblings would like unite in their shared right, it's like, oh, sanity. We, we've both seen him. Yeah, and, and get to town on the mystery. I mean, his sister's way too distracted for that. She She's blinded. Everyone she is. Can't, <laughs> she, can't, she can't see the, the threat of the goblins because she is much more concerned with making her her boyfriend decide between her and his boys. At the beginning of the film, she invites him to come along. Like, we're going to go live in this house for a few months. Why? I'll tell my dad tomorrow morning that you're coming with us, even though he hates you. And then he never shows up. And then they get to the town and he's there already with all of his boys in an RV. Oh, which also big. He- Big move. Very big. Totally forgot this one, but during his introduction, the sister, what's her name? Uh, Holly. Holly makes it clear that her dad will eat his nuts. <laughs> yeah. She's so, your little shock, nut. Your little that nuts that sequence of dialogue like had me reeling on the couch. I, I could not handle how much nonsense like those two actors spoke in and like so in nonchalantly. Too. Yeah. Like, like throwing it off like it was normal humans. Those were normal human words to and say. And her completely I, slurring all of her lines as well. God. My dad's gonna chop your little nuts off and eat them. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so yeah, she has to. She she uh, eventually goes to confront her her boyfriend in the RV and. Uh, it, like first thing in the morning, he she knocks on the door and he stumbles out, you know, just barely awake, buttoning his shirt up. In the scene before, we do we do see uh, him naked in bed in very close proximity with one of his boys, like you do. So you know, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on there. He's choosing the boys. He's choosing, He's the, choosing boy. the boys. Like, I mean, you always choose the boys. It's a fact. This is the thing that we at the Pod People know: is you always choose the boys. When he stumbles out, sees her for the first time in like half the movie and she's just like what's it gonna be me or your friends he's like what what are you talking about and she punches the shit out of him like (laughs) onto the ground (laughs) fucking smacks the hell out of him it's awesome powerful powerful ultimatum i do want to talk about the boys a little bit because it's a group of four dudes that are very horny through the whole movie they keep talking about finding that is their archetype uh liberated farm girls the the liberated farm girls of nilbog who are so horny that they'll sleep with any out of towner little do they know <laughs> only goblins in this town shame really so yes you wanted to talk about the yes boys. uh because each of them have their own special special demise so to say should the boys do get the best deaths yes uh oh, yeah they do the the first one i think it's arthur 
um, he goes outside of the RV to have a smoke, and he sees a girl running through the forest, and he starts chasing after her. Yeah, because, I mean, when you're that horny, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he borderline sexually assaults her, tackling her, and <laughs> saying he'll put something into her, or something like that. And then the the goblins show up, and he is not super concerned by their appearance. He, he tries to just talk to them. Like I just mean, to... in fairness, they do look like their costumes were made by a fourth grader. Yeah. The... Especially the one with the eyes. The only one with the eyes. The only one with eyes, and they look terrible. Yeah, the goblins are very fucking good. I I love many how they look. many times in this film you can see the people under the masks or the hands like under the the prop hands like yeah. just regularly this film has no shame it does not try to hide them or cut away when they easily could have and the my favorite thing about it too is that in like wide shots where just the goblins are in it, they try to shoot it to, to make them appear small, you know, like goblins are. But in any of the shots where the goblins are actually interacting with any of the human characters, they're just the same size as them. Yep, <laughs> they're just the, they're just normal people size. <laughs> There's no effort to try to make them appear small or anything like that. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> just normal size people in, in big dumb costumes so we've got we've got the guy who gets turned into Groot we've got yeah Arthur. Um, yeah we've got Arthur we have of course the corn one which we gotta we'll, we'll have to work our way we into need that to set one. that one up because we gotta yeah. talk about uh, yeah, absolutely Deborah Reed's character and then how, how does the other one I mean the other one lives the one who the, the one who uh jogs to town to uh to get groceries and we have the best uh, character actor in this one, where uh, he's the general store, the general owner. store owner. <laughs> Big old eyes. Who looks, looks like a human goblin. He looks like an actual <laughs> goblin. And his reveal is so good. Just like pulling aside the curtains and smirking, and yeah. With his like big floppy hat. hat. Yeah. He looks like, uh, he looks legitimately like one of the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, he pulls back the curtain and it's like, Bilbo! Hey, it's a proud foot. Like, look out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Proceeds yeah. to offer the boy uh, unrefrigerated milk. Which, yeah. but uh, the milk, I assume, is the goblin food. There are several times in this movie where the food isn't green, but it is the goblin food. Yeah, the milk is confusing because it's all spoiled uh, because they don't refrigerate it. Yeah, <laughs> so they're not trying to disguise that. I and then when they try to give them the ice cream, like, that's not green. It's right. just white. Where's, there's uh, and it's, it's also not ice cream, it's just pudding. Yeah. Since they don't have cows in Nilbog, that's where's right. the milk coming from? Almond milk. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it's goblin cum. <laughs> oh. Well, that is a theory. That is a theory. A better one. I'm, I'm on board with that. All the dairy is goblin cum. I'm going uh, to abstain from, from having an opinion on that one. Coward. <laughs> yeah, what happens to him? The, he the, the he boy. goes and ends up in the church house, right? Um, and he and finds uh, he finds Groot, uh, mm-hmm. Arthur turned into a, a tree man, um, pulls the bark off of his mouth, 
and Arthur is like, you gotta drag my pot. <laughs> yeah, he starts trying to <laughs> Oh drag. yeah, he gets turned into a plant, but the pot just appears around his feet. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. Yeah, and he just tries to drag him by the pot. Also, like, he rips the mask off, and there's, like, blood, and then, like, the green liquid, like, he coughs it up out of his mouth. And then the actor, like, just goes like, hey, you gotta get me out of here, man. Hey, man, yeah, can you get me out of here, yeah, please? Yeah, like, come on, dude. And it's just like, he's not, like, screaming in pain. Like, or... his, his, you can see that his legs are, like, grotesquely... Merged like, with plants. With, with turning blood. into wood and, mm-hmm. like, going down into the pot. Like, it looks very gruesome and painful. And he's just like, hey, man, can you get me out of here? Can you drag, drag my pot? <laughs> <laughs> but then what happens to him after that? I forget. He gets chainsawed. Uh, Arthur gets chainsawed. Yes, uh, the other guy. You know the, the bed, the one in the yellow. Yeah, yeah. He gets bitch slapped onto the bed, and we never find out what happens well, to him. Do we, we assume, I guess, like that he that he gets turned into goblin goo. Yeah, but we never actually see what happens to him. And when no. Arthur gets chainsawed, he's she's giggling. like, she's like, yeah, this this won't this won't hurt. It'll just feel like a tickle. And he's like giggling. We never see him again either. Well, he just gets turned into the. Goo. He, he gets turned into a smoothie. Remember that's mm-hmm. uh, given oh, to the guy in the yellow that shirt. That was her yeah. turning him him into the smoothie. Okay. Yeah. So I, that yeah, is explained. Yeah. I, I missed that. I didn't make that connection. But let's yeah, let's talk about Deborah Reed's character. The, oh, the, oh my god. The the witch with the inconsistent accent. My waifu. She's she's fantastic. Oh, such a delight. She she is probably my favorite uh, character uh, aside from uh, the eternal grandpa Seth. What a gift! So Arthur, with the girl that he uh, kind of sexually harasses in the woods, uh, as they're running from the goblins, find this house in the the remains. Well, of an no, old... they call it a house. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's a church. It's it's an old church, uh, and they're like, let's hide inside this house, and they go inside, and it's dressed like a haunted house, like like a <laughs> yes. preschool themed haunted house. Yeah. And they meet Deborah Reed's character, who has some long name that I don't remember. That's delightful. Uh, and yeah, her accent is uh, everywhere. Bad. It's bad. <laughs> really bad. It's it like she puts like like Russian accents on it at times. It's like she's trying to do an Eastern European accent, but it sometimes sounds like German. Sometimes there's just no, no accent, accent at yeah. all. And it's very funny too because she's obviously like she's supposed to be like an old crone, but she's very obviously like a young woman in her twenties or early thirties that has her hair spray painted gray and put on uh, spooky like, Halloween makeup. Yeah, it's... and and big. Face teeth mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently like her her ancestors lived in stonehenge oh, yeah she said yeah Which stonehenge was my, never lived in my it ancestors was are from stonehenge, stonehenge. well as we learn in this movie stonehenge is a portal into heaven and hell dimension of uncle seth yeah i guess so but also <laughs> yeah she has a, a a portal that she calls uh stonehenge magic stone source of the goblin's <laughs> magic uh, <laughs> verbatim. Um, I'm very glad you memorized that. <laughs> and it's just it's just two rocks on the back wall with like a gap in between them and like a fog machine on the inside. Yeah, it's the light and some dry eyes. And it somehow is the way to defeat the goblins and also the source of their power and also from Stonehenge and also maybe a portal to Stonehenge. Well, I just... 
the the most beautiful thing about it is like she reveals that she and her ancestors or whatever are from Stonehenge, but none of the accents that she takes on are Western European. Not at all. Which is where Stonehenge is in yeah. Western Europe. And right. she does American and Eastern European <laughs> accents. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she, she gets a little German every now and then, which is technically Western European, but it's still... It's still not Stonehenge. No, it's not English is no. what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. It's, of any kind. I would right. have taken, like... Scottish, Welsh, Irish, anything. anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> not Transylvanian. <laughs> and and I love she's she does like the best kind of overacting. Oh, where it's oh, all, absolutely! It's all in her face. No and sarcasm. I, and eyebrows. I, I. It is thoroughly entertaining when when she's paired against so many of the other actors in this film that are, Who are, are completely devoid of any sort of charisma. Yeah, they're just so yeah. dry to that she just devours this the scenery. Like you she can just see the difference up. in the scene where she delivers the cake to the family and it's the scene with her and the mom where the mom has no Who's emotion. like the least charismatic actor <laughs> and, in the film? You know, she's hamming it up 300% for the camera on the other hand. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I've made you this special recipe pudding. It's just like a corn. It's like a big corn muffin with like welcome written in (laughs) green icing on it. And she's all like cobwebby and creepy and menacing. Like, that's the thing is all of the townspeople who are goblins in disguise, as is established, they're all so insanely menacing and nobody has any sort of reaction to it. Except Joshua. Even when he goes to spy on their sermon or whatever in that old warehouse or old barn or whatever, and they capture him and they're trying to force feed him the ice cream, and the dad shows up, he's like, What are you doing, my son? And they're like, Nothing. We were just feeding him some ice cream. He's like, Oh, well, that's, that's very nice of you. Come along, Joshua. <laughs> It's, it's so nice meeting all you folks. We better get back home. And then they slowly walk out, like, still facing them as the crowd, like, walks towards them menacingly. <laughs> and, and the dad doesn't react. Like, <laughs> he kind of does. You can't tell if, like, the dad, like, I was almost like, oh, I guess the dad is is now in on it. And he's trying to get Joshua out of there. But he's so flat, you can't tell. Well, and But then later on, they in, make, he the dad doesn't care and he is still very short not worried about the people that they leave they go back to the house and when they get there everybody from the town is already at their house including the people who were at the church just at the barn where they were (laughs) they got there before them throwing them a party and they're having they're doing a welcome party uh, a surprise welcome party for these people in their home without telling them and the the wife is so cool she's like look at what they did for us meanwhile everybody's like dancing around staring at them menacingly <laughs> like while a couple of dudes play guitar in the corner oh i'm glad you mentioned the music though i i do want to say that uh unironically every fucking track in this film is a goddamned bop <laughs> and i'm gonna be listening to the ost regularly while i work it's very very, uh, it's 80s. very the, corny the, the 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 theme for this movie is like electric guitars and bells and it's awesome and i love As it a- i love it 
PS1 startup. <laughs> That's great. It's great. Vibes. But back to your point, Cleve, when they get back and they're throwing the party, they walk in and they're greeted by the same people that they just encounter mm-hmm. at the barn. Yep. And dad's like, oh, so nice of you all to do this. Thank you so much for welcoming us to your town. <laughs> like shaking hands and everybody's like wait wait what what is happening yeah there's there's some just splendid deliveries in this movie later on i, I don't i don't think we're really doing like a full-on plot breakdown but no. later no. on madam long name uh uh or uh delightfulness reverts back to her young female self and she she goes to seduce one of the other boys in the in the rv in the yeah. rv and he's like watching the tv and then she's on the tv like doing this like seductive sultry dance to like the, and there's like this like fun jazz music coming Playing over the tv the tv yeah and uh and she's like i'm real come I'm outside sorry. and she's and she's got a uh, a, 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 corn, com- cob, a yeah. corn cob in her hand which is very important um and uh so he he kind of gets up like oh that's weird and he he opens the door and i love it the moment he steps outside the audio changes from being like like uh the the score changes from sounding like it's over the tv to just being outside like the band is out there playing or something like such a weird like attention to detail but it's like it it, it implies to me that that like muzak jam is like part of her magic which is extremely like she's a bard like just like performing a little music spell like it's great she seduces him and tells him to go back inside the RV where she promptly holsters her corn (laughs) and heads heads in. Yeah, she's basically just like, this corn is so delicious. Why don't we eat it together? And it's it's a raw cob. Yeah, uncooked. It's a raw cob. Right before they, they, they go to town on the corn and each other, she says, like, would you like a bite of it? And he looks at her and he, and he says, with the flattest delivery, what what is it? I prefer... I pop- do like popcorn. Yeah. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly. He's like, would you like a bite of this corn? And he says, oh, I do like popcorn. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. So, you, But that's not popcorn. Are you Are you saying... No, I would prefer popcorn. Or are you saying like that? Ah, I don't understand. Well, like, the response to that is amazing. She's yes. just like, "Well, why don't we heat it up?" And so they go to town on the and the, then both, the both eating and then the, 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 the crew time. off camera starts throwing popcorn onto them. <laughs> like, my favorite thing about the, that whole thing is it doesn't go anywhere. It seems, it seems to serve no purpose because he survives. He doesn't die. No, he wakes up see, in a pile of corn. Yeah, we see him later waking up like under a, a massive pile of popped corn. And he's just like, uh, no more popcorn. And that's the last we see of him. Yeah, he's so fine. It, it implies that my, my dude went to the Goblin City and just got sedated deuced and got to eat a bunch of popcorn got and got go- out all right got some goblin pussy ate a bunch of popcorn and was fine yeah he is the winner he won the movie <laughs> he did <laughs> he, he, he never comes back we never see him again but we do see that he survived and it means that also that that the corn it wasn't goblin wasn't food? Cu- wasn't because cursed or anything because it didn't turn him into into goblin goop yeah it just was popped corn magical she, popcorn. she just she just showed up at his rv to fuck him and feed him popcorn and then left. 
awesome. Well, it, it, after she's done, she goes out and she's looking awful again, um, which is... It's what a couple of good nuts will do to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drained the essence out of her. Got all the goblin milk. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Who's a coward now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, then she runs off to fight uh, Joshua and Grandpa Seth. Uh, I gotta get back to Grandpa Seth for a second because we neglected to mention. How could we? One of my favorite things in relation to him, he's trying to help Joshua stop the party. He gives him a Molotov cocktail. Yes, he gives so. a child. Yeah. Molotov yeah. cocktail. He recommends arson. <laughs> yeah, he's no, like as he's, you do. Yeah, he and he he's has, like smiling, like he, yeah, he's like heated up a little bit with this, and just like hands him a Molotov cocktail, and then he takes the fire extinguisher, and you think he's like, I'll, you think he's gonna be like, I'll have this in case things get out of control, no. but then he's like, I'll go around the back and make a distraction with this, and he just starts to like skitter off, <laughs> and uh, then the the priest goblin shows up and delivers another one of the best lines in the film. <laughs> Where, where he uh, points at Grandpa Seth and says, Back to your kingdom of shadows! <laughs> <laughs> which is Tell really, me more! <laughs> which is really the deep lore implication there. Yes. About what is going on with Grandpa Seth and where he exists in relation to our own universe. Right, we've, we've been building up to this the entire podcast. <laughs> But then the problem is that we don't learn any more about the Kingdom of Shadows. <laughs> it's just a casual reference. I mean, that's that's what Goblin... Uh, that's what Goblin 3... That's what Troll 3 is about. Troll 3, the Kingdom of Shadows. Oh, yes, which please. Which we need to make. We need to make that. That, mm-hmm. All right, bucket list. Throw we've, that on We've there. made it clear that we don't have to have a budget. Nope. Like, we've seen this movie. It's been established. <laughs> We need some we green make, goo. Yeah, we need some green goo. We can make green goo. Troll That's easy. two, three, the kingdom of shadows. The kingdom of shadows. <laughs> I, I need to know more about the Grandpa Seth uh, deep, deep lore. But instead, the priest takes the Molotov cocktail and Grandpa Seth uh, fires lightning bolts out of his hand. And sets that motherfucker uh, on and fire. explodes the Molotov cocktail. Yeah, which is spectacular. So, you know, further establishing the deific powers of Grandpa Seth. What we learn, sadly, though, is that now uh, in 10 minutes, he's going to disappear forever. For reasons. For reasons. Uh, I I think, once again, that it is uh, related to his profound impact on our plane of existence. Uh, I think that in, him staying any longer would be dangerous for the rest I of us. I love that the items that he pulls out of the Shadow Realm with him include a Molotov cocktail, a backpack full of bologna sandwiches. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Among plenty of other things, but I'm I'm sure the Shadow Realm is just <laughs> quite right. a wild place with stuff like that. Man, because, I, I want me a, a Shadow Realm bologna sandwich. <laughs> because that is how Joshua ultimately defeats the goblins by eating a double bologna sandwich. Uh, in his well, he words. calls it he calls it a double decker bologna sandwich. But when you look at it, there's, there's no middle part of bread. 
there, yeah, and there's it's like, like quintuple decker. There's like eight pieces of baloney on there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a full <laughs> Oscar Meyer thing right there. But he uh, he chows down on this on this absurd baloney sandwich, and the goblins all recoil in disgust because of the toxins. Whatever that means. I love the idea behind this that vegetarians are horrified of people eating meat. <laughs> also, they they don't kill the family outright because they also establish, thanks to our delightful uh, bug-eyed farmer, that if they kill them, then the blood will ruin the, the meat blood will get into and they'll the have meat. to soak them in vinegar all night. But first off, their blood is the meat. Blood is in meat already. Yeah, and and they they turn them into trees, and the tree they get turned into blood. I I don't understand. <laughs> no, me either. That is a good point. That uh, after they uh, set the the priest on fire and run back inside, the other goblins just stand in a circle around the house for hours doing nothing every now and then they'll uh fire a shotgun into the air to let the people in the house know that they're still there but they don't try to attack them or anything no they're just hanging out they're just hanging out out there wait they ultimately defeat the goblins the whole family comes together to put their hands on stonehenge the magic stone source of the goblins magic (laughs) uh they just put their hands on it and all of the goblins die because, as uh, the eternal Grandpa Seth told us, the power of good is all you need to kill the goblins. And so they did it. <laughs> By the power of good. In classic horror movie fashion, there's a a fake-out ending of sorts. This movie really is standing on the shoulders of such great, ma- great, great films. Yeah, they go, they return home to their own house. Mom goes to eat an apple, and Joshua goes to take a nap, and when she eats the apple, she turns into goblin goo, both downstairs on the table and also in the shower. And upstairs. Yeah, and upstairs in the shower. She is in both places. Yeah, one right after the other. Like, there's no, yeah... Well, she mentions she's going to take a shower, and then Joshua goes into the bathroom and finds uh, green handprints and just goo all over the shower. And then he runs downstairs and sees uh, a bunch of goblins devouring the goo that is his mother uh, that still has titties. uh, So you know it's her. So yeah, she's somehow in both places at once. And uh, then it freeze frames on on. Well, we get the hilariously awful ADR of one of the goblins saying, "Do you want some, Joshua?" Oh yeah, (laughs) right. And then and then it uh, he starts screaming, and it freeze frames and credits, which is just excellent. There's a couple of things I want to talk about before we wrap up here. What, in your opinion, separates this from just a normal bad movie? Is it the sincerity? Because that's usually what I point towards I think with so bad it's good movies like this. Sincerity is the biggest part. It's it's a it's a blend of like sincerity mixed with incompetence mixed with a low budget. I think that is like really the the magical recipe for 
a good, bad film. Uh, budget is kind of give or take. You look at something like The Room, which Tommy Wiseau spent like $6 million on, and it looks like it was made for a budget of like 10000 you know? So it's... Uh, but Tommy Wiseau is, is, a, is a special individual. Yeah. Well, another thing I think that helps is the pace of this movie. Um, like I mentioned at the top, you know, this movie has a good laugh per minute yes. rate. Constantly, there's something absurd... And ridiculous happening on screen. Yeah. Whereas even like cult bad movies sometimes can be kind of boring in my opinion. Stuff like Birdemic, for example. While there's funny elements to it, it's mostly A just boring. Dreary. Yeah. I can feel that to an extent. I mean, if you look at... at uh a lot of the movies that we consider bad that we talk about on the show, shit like fucking Winchester and uh, the Nun, and the Nun, <sighs> and you know stuff that's like considered popular, like current horror. It, like the reason that shit is bad is because it has no imagination. It's uninteresting, but there's it's not incompetently done. You know, like from a technical perspective. Stuff is in focus. It's lit all right. You can see it. You know, the actors are acting, but there's nothing that elevates it. And so it's fucking boring. And that's what makes a legitimately bad movie. With something like Mm. this, it's certainly imaginative. It's fun. It's imaginative. It's fun. The acting is atrocious. The more you can't even believe that, like, that's the cut that they they kept. It never feels like anyone involved is in on the joke. No. Except for except for our our wonderful uh, priestess character, like she, I, I think she she was there to ham it up and to have fun and and succeeded in that. Her her acting is terrible, but like she's she's clearly having an absolute blast. Like she's having so much fun with. That I would part. I would and, believe that a lot of people on the set of this film were having fun. I bet it was fun to be on the set of this film. I agree, and and that that definitely is is a big part of it, and that that translates. Going um, off that, good film or bad, like the fun is, I think, a huge, a huge factor. Going off that with the hammy acting and it being a fun set, there's actually a great documentary on the making of this movie. I know, I've never seen. Um, that. I think it's called Best Worst Movie or Best Worst Film or something I like think that. So the one bit of tragedy with this movie is a few of the actors were trying to do acting oh, yeah. as a profession. You know, like. I think store brand Sam Watterson, the dad, for example. He's a dentist, isn't he? That, he was a dentist. Uh, I think... Well, he still is. He's, yes, he's still a dentist because I saw some, some of those interviews. Some of the younger actors, though, I believe. Um, like the daughter. I think even Deborah... Uh, oh, Deborah Reed. Reed was, you know, trying to be a legitimate actor. I believe it. And they really couldn't find work after this because... How do you put oh, Troll you know, 2 on your resume? Oh, for Deborah Reed, that's a shame. I, I I would love to see her in more movies. Like, Yeah, I mean, I feel that. Having fun. But, like, it's it's a shame that they never were able to get their careers off the ground. But, yeah. like, I don't think anybody in this movie is a good actor. Oh, no, <laughs> so, absolutely. like, I don't know if you can really blame Troll 2 for not being able to get their acting careers off the ground. It's probably just because they couldn't act. That's, you know? that's very so, true. That's um, very true at the same time. But, you know, I, I think that even so, like, this film has attained such massive cult acclaim. Like, it it is 
the movie that most people think about and they think of like fun bad horror like Tommy Wiseau, you know, the room got infamous and he pivoted to try to be like, oh, yeah, he I, leaned was, in I hard. was trying to make a, a, a bad movie. It was all a joke. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, no, no. Tommy, you're not fooling anybody. But like he is a great example of totally leaning into that. Like he has embraced what the world sees him as. <laughs> And I think more power to him for that. And I think that's why he continues to be successful because the room is enduring. And I think Troll 2 is enduring too. So if I was involved with it, I would just say, I would just lean into it. That's the thing with this movie. I think more than any other horror movie, this is the movie I've shown the most people in terms of horror movies, just because it's. A great movie to show people and to have people experience for the first time and experience blind, you know, because, you know, they're going to be in for a treat. On that subject, I I had seen this movie before, not as many times as you, but Cleveland, this was your first time actually seeing the film. Yes. And you went into it saying like, oh, I've seen all of the memes. I feel like I pretty well know this film. Wrong. How do you feel? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) I was incorrect. (laughs) That's how I feel about that. We tried tried to tell you. You did. (laughs) You did. You did. Uh, And and, and to be fair, like, I never wrote it off. Like, as soon as Justin Troll 2 was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I was excited about it. It's like, oh, I've seen all the memes. I don't need to see it. But, you know, I was like sitting down like with, with and I was gonna, like, oh, I'll sketch through the movie because like I don't you know need to, you know, like I, I've seen it all before and I hadn't. And, you know, I just it's it's a testament to, you know, a good work. And just because you've seen the hallmarks of something in pop culture does not mean you've seen it. And y- it can be very easy to conflate the two yeah and uh it's it's good to remember that and you know like you can you can hear plenty about this movie you can see plenty about you know like a good film but go go watch it and that's the thing about the most meme worthy elements of this movie i feel like they are funny on their own but they're even funnier with context absolutely and i i really think that i that this is most of them have no context (laughs) (laughs) yes which creates a context of itself yes a context of non-context yes but seeing one of those iconic scenes and then just you're still right completely different scene (laughs) that's that's you're you're so right though it's like the the context of how little context they have in the movie is hilarious in the movie but it's so it's absurd how almost every second of this movie is something legitimately it's overwhelming it is i from the start i just could not handle how brain worms you end up missing jokes because you're laughing at previous jokes and i don't know any other films that are that incredibly entertaining to that degree i would go so far as to say that this is maybe the least boring film ever made (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely up there i I wouldn't i wouldn't claim to say that it's my favorite film ever made by any means it's very fun but i i think that it is comfortably the least boring film in existence (laughs) because i i don't know how you can not be wildly entertained by every second of this film <laughs> should we rate it's time yeah i'll just time. go ahead i'll just go ahead and throw a rating onto mine um i it I, it's it's five it's five pod yeah and that's like, the thing that's same. the thing okay like 
you could easily give this movie a half star, but that's boring. No, this fuck movie's you. fun. Yeah. It's a five for me. It's, it's it's again, it's the Citizen Kane of bad movies. Yeah, it takes on a completely different life than what was intended. Mm-hmm. It it's such a rare example of being able to succeed in its failure. That does not happen very often, and uh, I think this film is a testament to it. So, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a unanimous five mm-hmm. out of five from all of us. Go see it. Show your friends. Don't tell them what you're putting on, and just put it on. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, I feel like most people have seen this yeah. movie by now, right? I, 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 I would think that yeah. The first time if you're this I, far into the podcast, the first time it. I saw this movie was back in about seventh grade, I think, with a bunch of friends. We used to do bad movie nights where we'd just watch a bunch of bad movies. And so none of us had context for this. This was pre-meme. This was back in like 08, 09, where if there was stuff about this movie online, it was maybe the oh my god scene but yeah that was like the first troll to meme i saw yeah and i probably didn't even see that until high school and that's the thing i probably had seen it but i don't think anyone else had so getting the pure experience of going in blind and not knowing that cultural context special yeah so special if there's someone out there you know that has no context for this movie Give them a gift. Give them a gift. Mm-hmm. The gift that keeps on giving. Well, speaking of gifts, I think uh, I reckon it's time we uh, we move on to our uh, next segment. The gift of sponsorship. Yes, that that's the one. I'm glad I, you remembered. You read my mind, Cleveland. That's right. Who uh, who do we have to thank for giving us money this week? Well, let me just grab the the old instruction thing. The copy. That's it. Now. I've been to a hoedown or two in my day, but time again, I find myself in a bit of a pickle. You ever found yourself finding yourself in a bit of a pickle? (laughs) Well, sometimes it can happen to the best of us. You're standing there out on the floor, square dancing with Sally. The next thing you know, you need both your hands. But, lo and behold, one of them's got a cob in it. What are you going to do now? Who's to say? Well, luckily, me, George Peter Jordanson, is here to tell you there's now a solution for when you're caught two-handed and one-cobbed. Get yourself a corn holster. Patented by me, George Peter Jordan Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) No relation. (laughs) George Peter Jordan Peter Peterson Peterson. No relation. Brings you the corn hob husk holster holder. Never be caught one-handed again. Wow, what a good sponsor this week. I'm so glad for our many great sponsors. I'm so impressed that you you got our uh, celebrity guest in here to yeah. do that read for us. Mm-hmm. George Peter, George Jordanson, <laughs> Peter, Jordan Peterson, no relation. No relation. <laughs> That'll bring us to the end of this hoot nanny, and what a hoot! 
a nanny. It was. Uh, next week, will God fucking willing will be the lighthouse for real this time i fucking hope so i'm gonna be furious if it's not because i really want to see this goddamn movie by the time this episode comes out maybe some of you have seen it already Mm -hmm. Um, if so fuck you But fuck you or not, tune in next week to listen to our review of The Lighthouse. And until that time, ignore the fact that I told you uh, to go fuck yourself and head on down to Apple Podcasts and smash those five stars for the five stars of freedom. (laughs) Didn't think that one through before I went there. Um, Leave us a nice review and hey... I didn't mean it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod, where we do post occasional news updates like the postponement of our Lighthouse episode. But if you already follow us on Twitter, you knew that already. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod for a list of all the... Boxed letters. All the boxed letters in which you will find the films contained in the podcast that we have reviewed with our average ratings and links to those episodes. And you can also browse the hallowed halls of the golden pods of which Troll 2 has uh, so graciously been inducted. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm at Mr. Sheets. I'm occasionally tweeting for at Light Arc Studio. Getting you all the best information on video game related content especially it stares back our little indie title now available in early access on steam and highly rated highly rated and you can also learn more about that and join our discord at lightarkstudio.com uh please so, do yeah you'll do. be warmly welcomed by us yeah so my brain is melted by this movie and the episode that we just did you might say you've entered the vegetable kingdom i started by saying i was a part of the vegetable kingdom but i had no idea until right now did you guys know that nilbog is goblin backwards whoa Whoa. oh shit